Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Ceasefire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 491, and today we'll be talking about the Metaphysical Reserve from Summer Camp Island. I'm GC13. And I'm David. Why do I feel like we know less about the Metaphysical Reserve now than uh, before this episode started? Yes. Uh... <laughs> In the words of an extremely old Gravity Falls advert that uh, took me a while to find on YouTube, so many questions. I have so many. Uh, the nature of, I mean, just starting off the, the, the rope that she's tied to, the way that the, the staticky universes exist. Is this a multiverse? Is this an alternate universe, alternate place? Is it like simulated virtual reality, but magic? Is it reflective of... Susie's wants and desires, or is it generated from something external and more powerful? And why does it want her there so badly? And again, she, you know, has a pretty immediate memory loss. Is that true if she visits anywhere? Is it just because of the nature of this trial? There's a lot going on here. Yep, there there are a few things we know. Uh, Dreamers can end up in here and through the same gap can get back to their bodies and awaken. But it's not the same as a dream, because if you spend too much time here, you'll literally fossilize. Susie remembers this fact while uh, studying for her gibbous right. You know, her brain's trying to tell her that something's not right here. Uh, that is where her sensation of jamais vu comes from. And <laughs> Can I just give a big shout-out to Papa Wappa and the entire Summer Camp Island team? For, um, you never hear about Jamais Vu. This is the first time I've ever heard of Jamais Vu. Deja Vu gets all of the stuff. It has Garfield and Friends. It has Initial D. It has The Matrix. Good on Summer Camp Island for representing Jamais Vu. <laughs> and the writing and delivery of that line was awesome. Because, yes, it is ominous. <laughs> it's so ominous in asking about it. And, of course, Susie, immediately after learning the definition, says... Well, it's not cold and scary like that at all, you know? It's warm and happy. Okay, Susie. <laughs> okay. Well, she acknowledged... I, I take it to mean that she acknowledged that it felt uncomfortable, but this is this is a lie that she wants to be told. Desperately. Like, she has everything that she wanted. She's the more powerful sister. Uh, Mildred is a devoted little sister. I mean, they had a pretty good childhood anyway, but, like, Mildred is extra devoted. In this one, her parents never leave them. Every time I watch that scene, I think of the scene somebody did with 80s Pearl and Rose, where she makes a huge mess like a dog, and it's like, I thought you were going away forever, so I panicked. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that that's the emotionally strongest thing happening in this episode, too. Like, Susie's fear of abandonment is... I, you know, it, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it is, it is the most real thing. And as much as she's immersing herself in this fake world, as much as she loves and accepts it, she's like, wait, it's my, it's my 15th birthday. My parents aren't here. They must be gone. I just know it. So she's, <sighs> that, she's carrying that deep in with her. Yeah, that, that is the trauma exposed raw. This is the rawest we'll see it. And I mean, really, I don't know if for the rest of the season we really address her parents anymore. So this is kind of the the concluding thought on that, right? Like she, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks that she lost her parents. It sucks that 
it was associated with Mildred. Thank goodness all three of them didn't die, but yeah. <laughs> yep. Things would have been pretty nice for Susie, even uh, even without being a powerful mage. I think they would have been been all right with weak uh, weak witch Susie. Just, uh, I mean, even if she had a better grandparent, it might have been all right. Yeah, geez. The the power fantasy she has of just like being more, uh, uh, I I don't know, like the the way she treats with her dad as a. Uh, Mildred's asleep, and she's just like, we have fun, don't we, Papa Wappa? You know, that feeling of superiority, of getting to have those special bonding moments, and of course having the completed gibbous right. It's uh, it's weird to watch that, too, because again, there's nothing that ever counters that, other than, I mean, you know, Susie will go and apologize in this relationship later with Mildred, but here yeah. yeah i mean that this is kind of what she wants and we never explicitly see her you know dismiss all of it or like say yeah no it didn't need to be this way but that's fine <laughs> i mean i think susie does understand that intellectually <laughs> later but but here yeah she's just fully relishing in it and i i love the transition when she first enters and we watch her go through like four or five different um, stages of age as she, you know, recedes back into being a a little child. And like, man, that was just so powerful imagery to be like, all right, (laughs) so this is regression the episode. We're just going to watch this play out. We're going (laughs) back. Yeah. Which, (laughs) yeah, by the way, Mildred's songs was uh, terrifying. (laughs) The, oh, yes, the, it's like, I'm going to say something in this sweet, wonderful voice, and it really does sound like the kind of song you might teach a child to sing, but, uh, since we know what's happening, incredibly sinister. <laughs> yeah, the, like, oh, the, the, the use of the term, like, glowing ember floating away, <laughs> like, that's, you know, her entire life and reality, and it's like, just, or, no, well, excuse me, no, the ember is actually this thing that she's chasing after. So it's like, away from reality, she's completely distracted. And the song's just like, yeah, you've chased after an ember. You can't remember what you were doing. Just stay here. Live in the moment, right? Like, I love that twisting of the normal, you know, sort of way that people say, yeah, live in the moment. It's a mostly positive thing. Uh, <laughs> not when you're escaping your moment. <laughs> you know, it's it, and then the the more you try to remember, the faster you'll forget. It's like it's like a spider. Singing to a fly caught in its web, saying that the more you struggle, the more stuck you'll get. Why don't you just calm down and breathe a little bit? And and what does the metaphysical reserve even have to gain from this? You know, that's the that's the other thing about this. Like, I don't understand the relationship between, you know, turning into a fossil. And it's interesting they use the word fossil and not just stone. Um, you know, turning into a fossil and it's so alluring. Also, it's it almost seems like Susie, from the moment she identifies the island of space-time that she goes to to go back to this memory, this moment, uh, it seems like she knows what she's getting into pretty quickly. Like, this wasn't to help her find Mildred in any way at all. Like, <laughs> it kind of seems like she just knew this would happen almost. Well, well, we'll see later on that she's very excited to return to Summer Camp Island, but... She's not of the same mind that she was when she uh, entered. So I guess that'll be something for us to ponder later on. But 
I don't know. I don't get the impression rewatching it that she. I don't think anyone understands the metaphysical reserve at all. But yeah, the way she says it, it would be a shame not to use all this rope. Right. <laughs> I think she thinks she has time to play and have fun with the figment of her imagination. I don't think she expects to lose herself. Right. It just seems she's very quickly willing to uh, abandon her goal because, hey, this is kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, Mildred was her goal, and she sees Mildred right there. She knows it can't possibly be the real one, but, you know, fake Mildred, pretty good. I mean, she is, remember, the whole reason uh, Mildred is singing to her is because she's like, no, I want to remember what I was doing here. She didn't come here to lose herself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But she truly has lost herself, because uh, thinking of that song again, uh, that wasn't even... I, th- I think the better musical number was the the Italian opera. That was... Um, <laughs> that was glorious. G- thank you. Correct adjective. The, I love the, the cold corn boys <laughs> with their cold corn ways. But their warm corn hearts and cute faces. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they have the... Uh, the just, that was just great. Okay, now sing in Italian. It's like, she's she's still the same narcissistic Susie, but it's a kind, gentle narcissism. <laughs> yeah, it's great that in this fantasy, all her friends want to do this. <laughs> if they even are her friends, or just admiring, respectful village friends. <laughs> no, I, I think in her, in her mind, she would consider them friends. It's just, uh... Like I said, this is this is Susie's fantasy. She doesn't want to be mean to people. She wants people to love her. And that's what the metaphysical reserve gives her. They love her. I guess in a way we always do, that Susie's meanness was just her lashing out at the world. So I guess here's what it takes to... This is what Susie wishes the world could be. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I guess we only get glimpses throughout the show of like, what it can mean for Susie to like she's always gonna have that edge, but what what can it mean for her to be happy with her situation, even though yeah, she's had the trauma of losing her parents, she's had the unresolved trauma of yelling at her sister and never getting to really say I'm sorry. And then of course losing on these other things, losing like the potential she had to stay in town and, you know, actually turn 15 <laughs> and and go through this right you know, lost ramona later on yeah and then you just layer that on unnecessarily <laughs> like susie's life is so much so you know she can have this but like i mean dang the the moment in the gives right too where we get you know a pretty focused shot on her and we're just seeing her tears in each corner of her eye as <laughs> she's you know finally transitioning into the role like I don't know. Yep, she takes the the heather brooch that she always wanted. Yeah, I I feel like in another show there would be something that, I don't know, kind of breaks Susie's immersion in this more than just the the parents being missing, right? Like, there isn't a moment of regret in this short episode of like, oh, I'm doing the Gibbs Wright ceremony, but it feels empty, right? Like, no, it goes as she wants, right? Like... The only thing really going wrong in this episode is the parents. It's She's not ever reflecting on like, oh, I have this thing now that I've wanted, but it doesn't feel good. Like the whole time it feels good. I think that's a really interesting direction 
Like, she's never regretting. She never says, oh, I have too much, too much admiration and respect of my younger sister. Or, <laughs> you know, I'm literally just pushing my friends around and pushing the stars around to entertain myself. And, you know, of course, I'm the most powerful witch around these parts. So time for me to take on this role. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, she doesn't question it. I just don't think the metaphysical reserve is that kind of place. It's almost predatory. And I, I, I know you like the word sublime. This is one of those things mm-hmm. that'll just never be explained to us. It'll be as mysterious to us as it is to the coven. Oh my goodness. And speaking of that sublime feeling, uh, in her bedroom... Did you see the banner? Yes, I'm just going kind of frame by frame right now. And what Frog, the heck? Rabbit. Again? Zebra, ram. Again? Because this is the same thing we, that I was kind of like wa- mildly wondering when we saw the trees for the portal last episode. What is this? What does it mean? Does it even mean anything? Like, why are those two characters so important, even when they're not? Hmm. Well, yeah, because I know why the frog would be there, because of uh, Mildred. I know why the rabbit would be there, or at least a good reason for a rabbit to be there. You know, we had the miracle rabbit recently, but a zebra and a ram, those guys are very conspicuous by their (laughs) addition. And, I, I mean, again, they could all represent more of a... A mental hodgepodge of ideas, like, that maybe are in the background of this world, just, like, reminders of Summer Camp Island, reminder of some of her greater responsibilities, fears, memories, I don't know. But who knows, might have to walk back through the symbols again (laughs) in the show to figure out, like, what else? Because I haven't really thought hard about what the zebra and ram could really represent overall, right? Like, they're rascals, but what else are they? You know, (laughs) I don't really know what they mean in the show about time and friendship and forgiveness. I I don't know. They want to eat jelly. (laughs) Like, they just like how the jelly tastes. I don't know. I mean, I guess we can talk about it when we get there. But just to put my thoughts down now, I think the rascals and their kind are just, they're completely out for themselves. They'll try to destroy good things. But that's okay, we can make good things as long as we have friendship, and they'll render themselves irrelevant anyway. Maybe it's as simple as that. It could be. Meanwhile, this episode ends quite simply as well. Uh, I I guess in 11 minutes, I don't know what I expected, but uh, Susie does not leave the metaphysical reserve at this point. This is quite the dramatic mid-season thing. She spends a lot of time in there. Mm-hmm. And I I do like the, uh, that is just such a great way to end it, too. With the, it, It's like if we were to show an hourglass and the, the top is running out of sand. That's the same thing as you're showing her only route back to the real world being slowly overgrown and forgotten. Uh, yeah, I love seeing the grass grow. And it's only like four or five frames of growth. It's just a very quick image. I love it. But yeah, you get the you get the real sense of danger with this. Like Susie's in it deep. <laughs> yep. Also, I somehow uh, this is an extremely minor thing, but somehow watching this again, I I had remembered that this rope was like tied around the fence post. But something about the fact that she had just casually thrown it over to me also adds to like it's <laughs> just barely tethering her here. Like 
if uh you know oscar or hedgehog pulled the rope it would just start going away you know thank goodness <laughs> thank goodness it's still laying there casually maybe some grass has grown around other parts of it to help it not get yanked out but it's barely there <laughs> well i think i think jim jams is a is a steady guy i don't think he's gonna do anything rash no well also there's like a potentially infinite amount of slack in the space yeah that's true before yeah makes me wonder how she intends on tugging on it but i guess things work out Uh, they really did because i love how she's like at the beginning oh i have slack because the rope was i don't know at best a dozen feet a few dozen feet long no it's (laughs) it it was like maybe a six foot rope at best (laughs) yeah so and it's like yeah this is this is gonna work I think they had some idea about what would happen in the in the metaphysical reserve. I, I just I guess she didn't expect the rope to extend quite that far. Nope. Well, I guess uh yeah. Now now we're on the cliffhanger, so I have no <laughs> cool mm-hmm. cliffhanger transition, but I guess we'll see what happens next. <laughs> there are a lot of cliffhangers coming, David. There are a lot of cliffhangers coming. <laughs> yep. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on the Metaphysical Reserve. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. And I'm David. Don't forget to leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. Later, everybody. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. 